If we were trying to think of what liturgical season you and I live in constantly, not just according to the liturgical calendar, but just our place in history, I would say we are people, uh, we are Advent people. We're not people of Easter, although we've experienced different little resurrections in our life, we really don't know what resurrection means, at least in its fullest sense. We're somewhat Christmas people, but because Jesus is no longer here in the flesh like we're in the flesh, I mean, he's here sacramentally, but he's not here in the flesh, so we're really not Christmas people, although we're, we're beneficiaries of the Christmas event, obviously. Lent, we could probably say we're Lenten people because life is difficult. It's like a constant way of the cross in many ways. But I think more real is the Advent. We've, something has begun in us, but it's not completed. You and I are experiencing the entrance of Jesus into our world, that incarnation, although we're not there at the historical moment. We've ex we are benefits, uh, beneficiaries of it, meaning we have access to grace. The grace is always with us, but we're still in the process of carrying a cross, Lent, so it's not completed. We haven't experienced a full resurrection or ascension in our own flesh. We read about it. We pray over it. But it's not our lived experience. Our lived experience really is Advent. Something has begun, but it's not yet completed. We haven't seen the fullness of it yet. So what are we supposed to be doing in this Advent season? This is the second weekend of hearing about John. It's our third week of Advent, but the second week of John John plays a prominent role in the Advent season, I think, because of this very reason. He's kind of our, should be, kind of our role model or our patron saint. When we think about what people do during Advent, John is the one we should look to. And what is John doing? Man was sent from God to give testimony so that people will believe through him. That's it. Now, I should end there because Dave Snyder has something important to do, and he told me to keep it short, but I'm not going to because I'm the one in charge in this room, not Dave Snyder. Love you, Dave. So when we think about what we're supposed to be doing in our life, John is the one that we should be looking to. I am not the light. And you are not the light. We are the light of the world in the sense of, by virtue of, to the extent of living out our Christian life, to the degree that we allow God's grace to flow through us like a conduit. We are the light of the world, but we're not the light. Jesus is the light. And it's our work, our goal, to help him shine through us. The miraculous thing, and I think we all know it, because the, some of the greatest movies or, or theatrical uh, endeavors are all about the underdog who makes it. We love that, because that's us. The one who is least likely and then does it. 
we're not so in, you know, enamored when you know, the extreme wealthy all of a sudden achieve great things. I mean, of course, they have access to the best of everything that should be expected. Actually, we're disappointed when they fail, aren't we? Because we think you have more resources than the rest of the world and you've blown it. I think more often than not, when celebrities fail, that's probably the way we think because we hold them on such pedestals because of that one particular gift they have, and they don't maximize it. They kind of just become arrogant with it. And look at John. I am not the Christ. I am not Elijah. I'm not the prophet. I'm simply a little voice in the wilderness. Now, we know John is more than just simply a little voice. He's the great precursor but his humility is what shines forth today in showing us that it's not all about him. If you've been doing an examination of conscience, as we should be doing all the time, we come to the conclusion, I've come to the conclusion that although I would never say I am the Christ, my actions would show differently. I do think I'm the Christ. Not in the strict theological sense, but... I do think the whole world revolves around me. I do think that I'm the latest and greatest and that everyone should listen to me and do what I say and see the world the way I see it. This isn't something I'm proud of, but it is the truth. Our worlds sometimes can become very, very small and that's how we become very small the invitation today is to, through examination of conscience, open ourselves up to say, wait a minute, why are we celebrating a Savior? Because we're not the Savior. Even though I think I am God, small g, well, probably big G, let's be honest, come on. Uh, even though I think that, or I don't think it, but even though I act that way more often than not, the fact is, is I can't solve the problems of the world I can't offer redemption. I would probably run from the cross if it was presented to me, especially if it was to save people who usually don't appreciate it. I probably wouldn't do it. But the good news, the rejoicing that we're supposed to be doing today is despite that, despite that, Jesus still comes into the world and offers us an invitation. Despite our brokenness, despite our fallenness, despite our peculiarities, God comes and invites us. If we think for a moment that God does not know what we are dealing with in our own personal life, we need to pinch ourselves. If we think God doesn't know what's going on in our world, what's going on in my own personal heart, as well as the hearts of all of us present, if we think that God is not aware and that this message is unrelated to our lived experience, we're crazy. And that's why we are given the sacred text week after week to wake us up to see God does know what's going on. And you and I probably aren't much different than the people of the, the book who then constantly say, well, if he does know all this, why doesn't he fix it? Because God is very smart and because God loves us infinitely. You and I all know what happens 
when we make things easy for others. They turn out to be spoiled, rotten brats. Whereas, if we challenge and stretch, not break, but challenge and stretch, we see all of a sudden life come out. And we see people excel, the underdog becoming the great victor. This is what God does with us. Sometimes we feel like, you know, if I get one more thing on my shoulders, I'm going to snap. God knows that. And usually he sends a Simon of Cyrene to give us a little support and encouragement. If we're looking for him, if we're aware, if we're open. So this week we're called to rejoice. To rejoice not in ourselves and what we do as individuals or even as a community, but to rejoice in the Lord. At first reading so beautifully, you'll recall that reading. At one point, Jesus goes into the synagogue, and they hand him the scroll. And he opens it up, and that's what he reads, Isaiah. Isaiah is speaking to a people who are decimated. We could probably, it would be akin, I think, I think, to what's going on right now with Ukraine. Isaiah is speaking to the Ukrainian people who are so decimated. Or, Isaiah is speaking to the Palestinians and the Israel, Israel right now, who are decimated because of Hamas. Isaiah is saying, look up. And they're sitting there in rubble. They're mourning the loss of their family and friends. And Isaiah is saying, I'm not being insensitive to your pain. Your pain is real, but don't let that define you. Look up. Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And Jesus said, today this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing, and you and I should say the same thing. Because of, by virtue of, Jesus and what he's done and our baptism into him, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. Are you exercising your gift? Are you the one, the voice, in the wilderness, crying out, prepare a way? This is our work, our work for today. Not that we do everything right, not that we do perfect, perfectly anything that's before us. That's not the message. The message is the underdog wins. We don't have to get it all right. We just have to be close to him. We have to be quick to say, I'm sorry. Quick to say, you're forgiven. Quick to pick up the mantle and say, let's go it again. Even though it seems like we're just running into a brick wall, let's do it. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has sent me to proclaim a year of freedom. Let's ask the Holy Spirit as we go through this week and continue our preparations for the celebration of his birth that we'll investigate our own hearts and minds and to see, are we the voice of one crying out? Are we preparing a way for the Lord.